0: for Resonate Christian Church. And we just welcome you here this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. It is uh, a gorgeous day and we are outside on the patio this morning. And so we're just trying to soak up as many of these days as possible. And if you wanna join us live in person, you are welcome to and talk to Becky Elliott. Pastor Becky does our roll call for Sundays. And so we want you to be here if you can. Uh, If you can't, we are going to continue to do this online broadcast uh, for the weeks to come. We are discussing tomorrow, and we just want to let you know about the rhythm for fall as we are continuing through the pandemic and also the mandates for uh, church and what we're allowed to do. And we are going to be giving you an update on our new rhythms for the fall next week. And so we want you to stay tuned for that and also be praying for us as a church as we want to continue to do what the very best and healthiest thing is for our community um, and do the very best thing that we can um, for, for our church gatherings. And so... Uh, we will ge- be giving you that information coming up soon. I want to give a couple of thank yous this morning. First, I want to just thank John Anderberg. He can't see me, but I know that he is in there cuz I hear uh, the things going off um, in his in his cooking regimen in there and John is cooking for Home PDX this morning. We feed about a couple hundred actually now. Uh, uh, houseless people downtown Portland and he leads that ministry and this morning he is flying solo in there cooking a great curry for them and so be praying for him and he is a tremendous servant and I am thankful for him and his work with the houseless uh, community it's definitely boots on the ground ministry and more than just talk uh, what we do is many people donate all kinds of food and then we take that food cook it and bring it downtown Um, Lately, during the pandemic, what we've done is collected dollars and then those dollars purchase food. And then we are able to take that cook it and take that food downtown. So just a little shift for the pandemic. Normally, we ask for donations um, in actual product. But this uh, last handful of times, we've asked for cash donations and then we've done it that way. Hopefully, we can get back to um, bringing product to the church and he can uh, continue that ministry. And we are one of the only ministries that provide hot meals to the houseless community. Uh, And so we are very proud of that ministry and very thankful that we are given the opportunity to be involved. One person that I wanna be praying for, and I'm also very thankful for, is Renee Brous and her work with the Good Neighbor Center in Tiger. She is the executive director for the Good Neighbor Center, which is a shelter and service um, for the houseless community as well. And she has served in that ministry for a number of years. Uh, they have recently just had some stress and and you know had to uh, pivot and just serve more and to take care of just more people in in different ways. And so she tenaciously gives and serves and just be praying for her. We're thankful for her. We're thankful for her willingness to just serve the houseless community. The houseless community is, of course, changing. As the weather changes, they're they're having to go inside and finding new resources. And many of the, the systems and the resources that were previous are... Shut down or at a limited level, and so as things limit or um, as as things change, they're having to pivot as well, just like we all are. And so, um, it's it's difficult at all levels during this time. And those that are serving our houseless communities, we thank you. We're very thankful for you, and with, we are praying. Uh, we're praying for your communities as well that you serve. If you have access to a piece of bread and some juice or some wine, we want you to gather those now. We are going to take communion at the end of my teaching time this morning, as we do each and every Sunday. Uh, So put that on your shopping list for communion elements. If you're a a, a Podrishner online person that listens uh, to us on a weekly basis, we want you to participate in communion with us. And so... Um, have those elements each and every week. Just a small piece of bread and some juice or wine. And that uh, represents communion. We take that at the end of my teaching. Each and every week we light this candle. And this is called the Christ candle. And Pastor Becky put online the meaning of the Christ candle and why we light this candle each and every week week. It represents Jesus in our lives. It represents Christ with us and the light in the darkness. And even though we've gone through we've gone through a lot of dark times. I mean you can just think about just the events and the situations that we've had to endure over the last handful of months, seven months of our lives, Uh, there have been very dark times, fearful times, not really knowing where and what to do and where to go even the last couple of even the last month being surrounded by fires and yes yesterday i think it was COVID cases increasing and so there's different there's just different things that represent darkness. There's different things that represent fear. There's different things that represent stress. And you can be stressed at work. You can be stressed at home. Think about just all the moms and the dads that are having to do online school right now at home. Maybe they both work, that both the parents work, or maybe the single parent works and they're having to navigate work and online school. We need to be praying for our for all of, the, all of our community that is under stress. And to remember that there's light in the darkness, that no matter what, Christ is with us. Even if we don't feel Christ, even if we don't see Christ, even if we just don't even feel like we have a relationship right now with Christ, know that Christ is with you. Jesus is walking with you. He is in you, around you, and he is for you. Um, and, and he wants us to be successful spiritually. And so my cur- encouragement to you is, uh, just like our values and our mission statement as a church, is to love like Jesus no matter what. That Jesus loves you and we are to love like Jesus no matter what. We are a community that loves like Jesus. And if you feel darkness right now, and if you are just going through just continued stress, and even though the sun is out today and the birds are singing, you might not be singing and your sun might not be out in your life. And so I'd want to encourage you to devote yourself to daily devotion in scripture and to prayer. Um, Think about the strongholds in your life and learn to release those and have freedom from strongholds. We want you to serve your communities and find ways to actively serve in your life, to embrace sacrificial generosity. Even when we don't feel like we have, we still have something, whether it be time, talents, or treasures, we have something to give. Sharing and knowing each other's story is a value at our church, and we want you to learn to share your stories with each other and to know other people's stories as well, and also learn to celebrate well, and that's what something that we might need right now in our darkness is we need to learn to celebrate well, and those are the values of our church that even though we might be walking through this this darkness or this maybe this fear that we have or is there any light at the end of the tunnel or when are things going to change just the frustration and the irritation that i see people enduring right now that jesus is with us no matter what his life is with us his spirit is with us and in us and motivating us and giving us strength during this time and i just i just pray for you now that you would depend on that light in the darkness, that you would depend on the Spirit of Christ even when your spirit is down. So today we are going through the, well, we're continuing through the book of Philippians, and today we're going to be covering Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. I'm going to just, excuse me, starting in verse 8. I'm going to back up a little bit and then continue to verse Twenty-one. So 8 through 21 is where we're going to be at this morning. And starting in verse 8, it says this, but even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost I think of as sewer trash, so that I might gain Christ and be found in Jesus. In Christ I have a righteousness that is not my own and that does not come from the law but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. The righteousness that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. It includes being conformed to his death so that I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. It's not that I have already reached this goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab a hold of it because Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call in Christ Jesus. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think of it this way, and if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal it to him or her. Only let's live in a way that is consistent with whatever level we have reached. Brothers and sisters, become imitators of me and watch those who live this way. You can use us as models. As I have told you many times and now say with deep sadness, many people live as enemies of the cross. Their lives end with destruction. Their God is their stomach, and they take pride in the disgrace because their thoughts focus on earthly things. Our citizenship is in heaven. We look forward to a Savior that comes from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform our humble bodies so that they are like his glorious body, by the power that also makes him able to, to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. So science tells us, as just an illustration that's to start, science tells us that there's two things. There is matter and there is antimatter. And matter is like the electrons, protons, that's the matter. The antimatter is the anti-electrons, anti-protons. And what's really interesting about one versus the other is we're very familiar with matter, but when I say the word antimatter, you might have had to look that up on Wikipedia. It's like what is antimatter? What is Kevin talking about? You have matter and then you have antimatter. And one might be more dominant than the than the other. Uh, Christianity is somewhat like antimatter. You have what the culture is, and you have what society is, and you have the way that we were raised. You have our lifestyles. You have just who we are. Yet Christianity speaks, and Jesus taught, an upside down kingdom. You have the kingdom, and then you have the upside down kingdom. You have like the opposite what is last is now first. What is first is now last. What is, what is thought of as good is now not good, and what was not so good uh, is now good. What we thought of as success is now not success. What we thought of as failure is now failure. I know it's weird to say that, and I know it's weird to say and think such things, but Jesus taught this. He taught, if you make less of yourself, you will win. But our culture says that if you make more of yourself, you will win. How is that possible that Jesus says that the less is more and the more is less? It's called the upside down kingdom. And that's what we're really going to talk about today is the prize that we're running towards, the things, the goals, the successes that we have in our life that we're chasing after In in our culture Um, is thought of as one thing, money, possessions, the material. But Jesus teaches something different, that we are to chase after and to find success and to build the not material, the immaterial. That we are to chase after that which we cannot see and feel and touch, that we are to chase after the spiritual versus the material. So that which is thought of as unsuccessful, or maybe invisible, is now visible and successful. So when I look at verse 8, this is what I read. But even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I've lost everything for him, but what I lost, I think of as sewer trash, so that I might gain Christ. One person that has lost everything is Paul. For following Jesus, he lost his status. He lost his prestige. He lost maybe just the 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 character that people thought him as. He lost a lot um, for following Jesus, and we have to really think deeply about that because most of us haven't lost everything. Most of us hasn't, especially for a decision of our spiritual lives or our religion right? He changed religions. So he went from being the Pharisee of Pharisees to a gospel preaching apostle. So that's a huge shift, right? It's like the fulfillment that the Jews were looking for, yet he lost a lot by making that movement or going through that conversion. And he says about it that that there's value in knowing Christ Jesus And in comparison, he just considers all the other things just not very meaningful. He doesn't, they built his life, they gave him a foundation, but he's not relying on it. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Not relying on the things that he knew before for his future. So he starts out verse 8 by, but even beyond that. And that little phrase has... To get technical, has five particles of Greek. That phrase, uh, but even beyond that, is like a screaming phrase. It brings emphasis to the situation. He like raises and waves the flags. He says, Pay attention to me. He's screaming emphasis. And what Paul is literally saying here is, though, indeed, therefore, at least, even. Could you imagine somebody, like, starting out a phrase? But but even beyond that, therefore, indeed, though, at least, even, listen to me, even though you have all of that, he says, I consider it a loss in comp- comparison to the value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's, he's screaming emphasis. And... This translation doesn't really give that kind of emphasis, uh, but he says, indeed, therefore, even, but even beyond that. Okay, that's the emphasis. He considers all things lost. And what's really interesting is when he transitions from verse 7 to 8, there's a tense change. In verse 7, these things were my assets, but I wrote them off. He wrote them off, past tense as a loss for the sake of Christ. And then in verse 8, but even beyond that, I consider, present tense, everything a loss in comparison. So there is a shift and there's even a shift in the language. There's a shift in the Greek where you see that he is looking in the past, but then also then looking towards the future and he even shows that between two sentences or between two verses, he moves from the past to the the present. And so, right in the beginning of chapter three, we learned that Paul reversed his values; he changed his his values. And I really believe that we sometimes—and I'm going to be very careful about how we say this, how I say this. I think sometimes we we make too much of a big deal about Paul's conversion on the Damascus road. It was a big deal. Um, it did authorize his ministry and his apostleship and and everything. But yet sometimes we make a too, uh, we make too big of a deal about that one event, because there were so many events that Paul uh, Paul went through and transformed through, and so you think about even your own conversion where our conversion is not the end of the road. It's not a one-and-done deal. It's not, hey, that was great. It's only the beginning. It's like the gateway. It's like the doorway through. It's the entry through. So when you, when you came out of the water of your baptism, that, that was like, metaphorically, that was, that was the entry point. Um, that was like the movement and that's the picture. Baptism is a picture of what's happening inside our, our relationship with Jesus. And so I use that as like the big metaphor of being washed and renewed in our in our life. Um, it's a major part of our spiritual journey, but it's not the only major part of our spiritual journey. And so our conversion as like that entry point whatever your entry point whenever that entry point was for you that was the entry point for your new version of life it's like kevin bates 2.0 right that's the that's the new version of of your life yet well let's use that software illustration you have version 2.0 but then you have version 2.1 2.2 2.3 2.5. we go through converting transforming, transformational events in our life that are changing and mature, and mature us. And I think that life is a journey. Life is a process. Life is movement. Life is, is not stagnant. Life is not stagnant at, at all. And anybody that is mature uh, will tell you, that if they were immature when they thought that they had it all together they were immature when they thought that they knew everything they were immature when they thought that they had like all their ducks in a row and and they knew it all back then uh, you live life more than a minute and you figure out very quickly that life doesn't come easy and we don't have it all figured out and so that's a mature look at life that I don't have life figured out I wanna have life figured out, but I don't have life figured out. And when we can enter into that state of humility, I think that's when growth can happen. That willingness of change, that willingness of transformation. Transformation doesn't happen necessarily with a galvanized, uh, uh, a person. It happens with a, with a softer attitude or a willing attitude to enter into real change. I can say that I've been changed because I've been smacked hard enough upside the head with the two-by-four um, called life, and that forced me to change, but it didn't necessarily change me for good. It was maybe short-lasting. It might have changed some superficial things in my life, but lasting change, real change, transformational change came when really I was ready, came when I really wanted it, came when I was really, really ready and willing to go through that trans- transformational process. So Paul's conversion was just the beginning. And he recognizes that. And he he even says in this scripture that he doesn't have it all together, that he didn't knew, know everything all along, that life is this journey. And it takes wisdom to move into that transformational change. It takes wisdom to know that you don't have it all together and you need to move forward. So if we can use that as a filter, this scripture as a filter in our lives that when we find ourselves thinking and dwelling on the past, when we find ourselves trapped in an immature maybe way of of life, we need to point our feet and our life and our eyes forward. He tells us that we're not to dwell on the past. We need to release those harbored things. We need to release the harbored anger, the harbored resentments. We need to release even sometimes the pain and we need to enter into more future thinking. One of the things that held has held me back my entire life, I would say, is a dwelling on the past. A dwelling on, yes, my story is important, but my story only speaks into my future. It doesn't Necessarily determine my future. It speaks into my future. It might be like a guide. It might even be like it might be even be some foundational roadmap type things, but it doesn't necessarily determine my future. God determines my future. And I need to release the harbored resentments and the things in my life that that definitely hold me back. So have you ever done an evaluation? I've done a lot of evaluations in my life and, and I want to encourage you to do a moral inventory in your life. Just sit down. I would suggest just list off, maybe start with your assets and the things that are important to you, the things that you value, the things that you could not do Without. Those are the things, the factors that maybe you look for and look into for respect, that people respect you for these assets. Maybe these are the things that you um, kind of camp on for your advancement or your acceptance. You show these things to the world for your acceptance in the eyes of, of the world. So list off your assets. What are your assets? This is a this is a, an inventory, right? So whenever we take inventory at the store, we list off all of the equipment that we have. And then we list off, and that usually changes very little from year to year, but we have a list of equipment um, that we pay taxes on because and we have to list our equipment. And then we list our inventory so that we can make an inventory. Um, adjustment on our financial statements, right? If you understand that. So so we have a list of inventory and that inventory includes meats and cheeses and coffee right down to the pound of bean, right down to the half a pound of bean, uh, tea boxes and, and food items. We just list out our inventory. So your inventory, you might say, well, I have this list of equipment that changes very little, right? Could be your house, it could be your car. You're not gonna sell your car and buy a car over the next two weeks, so you know that's gonna kind of stay static. But maybe the things that change over time could be your health status right now, right? Your health status right now, or maybe, maybe your bank account, right? That changes a lot, so maybe it's your credit card or your lack of credit card, right? Good for you. Uh, maybe it's, uh, maybe some foundational things could be your assets, could be your background. That, that's probably more in the equipment asset, right? Your name doesn't change, so you put that in the equipment asset. Maybe you're standing with your family. That could be in the ever-changing inventory. <laughs> uh, the money is in the inventory. Your personality could be in your inventory. Your education could be in your inventory. The training could be in your inventory. I want you to write all those things down. And then I want you to ask the question, are you counting on these things to prop you up? Are you counting on these things? Are you relying on these things, depending on these things to propel your future? I would say that looking ahead and this verse that Paul is, is outlining for us is yes, we have assets. Yes, we have foundational things that will, that will guide us and will point us and might even speak into our future. We might be able to use a little bit here and use a little bit there. But yet looking towards the future means that we will grow and learn new things, that we will grow and build different things, that we will grow and invest in different ways, that we will grow and create a new future. So if we're relying on just what we've built and what we have, that might guide and speak into our future, but that does not, we cannot depend on those things for our future. When we depend on our current assets for our future, those assets will run out quickly. We need to learn new ways of life. We need a new sense of fuel. We need a new sense of of expense. We're going to expense new things. And so we're not going to rely completely on everything that we've built. We're going to look towards a, a new future. And this is this idea, brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget about the things behind me and I reach out for the things ahead of me. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward call. This is that new sense of direction, philosophy, and mission. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way. And if anyone thinks differently, God will reveal it to him or her. Only let's live in a way that is consistent with whatever level we have reached. And so he's talking about levels of maturity. And so I want to encourage us to not necessarily rely on our old ways of life. Rely on our old statuses. Rely on our old bank account. Rely on our old education. Everybody knows that you know, when you graduate from high school or college or if you graduate, you know, from post-grad stuff, that, that is a certain level of knowledge that you've gained. But there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to grow in. So we just can't depend on our old, even knowledge and our old ways of life. We need to look towards a new future. So I want to outline just quickly uh, three things here. And first is in verse 8, Paul gives us kind of a framework of foundation to be able to build this new future. And basically, I'm going to say the right morality. He wants us to have the right morality. When I think about um, this verse 8, he says that we are to be knowing Christ. And and in our knowing Christ, that's the morality that we need to have. There's a lot of people that uh, live in the don'ts and I don't do this, and I don't do that, and and they're what I call vinegar-lipped personalities, right, those are the people that have all the don'ts um, lined up in their life, and they have everyone else's don'ts lined up in theirs as well, and so they have the don'ts, I don't lie, I don't steal, I don't cheat, I don't play cards and wear lipstick or whatever they say, right? I don't do these things. Somebody that lives in the don'ts is not really a nice personality. Fill in the blank of whatever you think your don't list is. And a lot of times our don't lists go way outside of the don'ts of Scripture, that's for sure. But what, what the important thing is to realize is foundationally having an adequate morality means that we will be found in Christ, that people will find us in Christ and no matter what we've done and no matter what we will do, we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to break our don't contracts and we're all, gonna, we're all going to really screw up in life. No matter who we are, um, we're just going to mess up. And the right thing, the right morality, is to be found in Jesus no matter what. To be found in Jesus no matter what. you do or don't do or say or don't say. The second thing is I read in verse 10 is the right kind of service. God wants us to serve well and our life is to be full of serving others, not our just ourselves. Our patterns, our rhythms of life need to be giving experiences to others, not taking experiences from from others, life-giving experiences to others. And I think that, that our profit, right, if I can use that monetary example, the profit that we gain out of life is the willingness to give. And I know that sounds upside down, but I can tell you that the things that we give away are the things that we keep, and the things that we keep are the things that we absolutely uh, will lose. And that's that's a Nelson Mandela quote right there, that that we will gain the things and keep the things that we profit, meaning that we will give those things away. Uh, when we find ourselves in the judgmental behavior, and that's where our Christianity lies, is that we judge other people and we criticize other people, we're going to lose. And people will just walk away from us. That's not a generous service. That's not a generous lifestyle. And so our service needs to speak grace. Our service needs to speak love. And that's what we need to strive for. That's the goal that he's talking about. That's the prize that we need to chase after. And I would say I'm so proud of our church. I'm so proud of our church and what this community has done in Jesus in this way. We serve the houseless community. Um, a lot, and it's on my mind this morning because we have Home PDX and a lot of a lot of uh, a movement and and lots of voices here uh, this morning. And we're not perfect at it. We're not we're not you know hitting the mark a hundred percent, let's say every time. But we intentionally serve the houseless communities um, around us and the people in need, and I'm really I'm really thankful that 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 thinking of others, that generosity, and that sacrificial service is is there. All right, number three, and then we're going to close with this, is the right intention or the right motive. Some people say motives, I'll say intention. We need to be intentional, but we need to have the right intention. When I read this verse, it's not that I've already reached the goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I might grab a hold of it because Christ grabbed a hold of it for me for just this purpose. And when I think about, when I think about what is my intention, my intention can't be self-serving. My intention can't be to build myself up. When I chase after the goal or the mission of Christ and loving others in a powerful, powerful way, since we're a community that loves like Jesus, when I take a hold of that service, when I'm going to learn to love people like Jesus more. I'm going to make mistakes in that. Yes, I'm not going to hit the mark every time, but I can't do that for my own benefit. I can't serve people for my own benefit. I just need to do good because I want to do good. I need to do good because it's the right thing to do. So our motive in compassion, our motive in giving to people, our motive into just offering ourselves and serving others and giving to others, that prize that we need to chase after is is basically to give people a slice of heaven. We need to give people and be generous with our spirituality, our life and our service and our love to give people just that slice of heaven. I can tell you that there's been many times in my life that I've needed to see heaven. There's been many times in my life that I've needed to just embrace and see and experience a slice of heaven. And when we do that with others, we show people Jesus, and we are the hands and the feet of Jesus on earth, extending his kingdom and reaching out to what he says, the ends of the earth. That we're to teach people all things. And through love, we can show people slice of heaven and I pray that we would take this week and do that in your way and in whatever way you can figure out in your circles in your world that you live that you would take this message and you would just be motivated to give people that 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 image of Christ that they would see Christ in you we're going to take communion on that note on that message just think about Jesus and how you can give others Jesus this week as he gave himself to us. Just think about how you can give Jesus to to others. Let's take, this is the body and the blood of Christ. He said, do this in remembrance of me. God bless you, Resonate. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, We will be praying for your week. And if you want to reach out to us, go ahead. There's some there's some social media channels that you can contact us with above my head right now. And if you would like to give to our ministry, you can go to our website, ResonateLife.org, and you can click on our giving page, and you can give, you can give that way and, and, and give to our ministry as well through those means. Thank you for joining us today. God bless you, and have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you.